What up, everybody? Welcome back to Back Pocket Topics. I'm Cooper. And I'm Scott. Uh, and today we're going to be running you guys through week two in the NFL. Yeah, we're going to start off with the Thursday night games and then work our way through. Cooper, I'll let you start us off. All right, so on Thursday night football, we had an AFC West heavyweight mashup between the Chiefs and Chargers. Um, and Scott, we talked about this game a little bit in private. We both agreed that despite the Chiefs coming out on top in this one, the Chargers actually looked really, really good in this game. Yeah, for sure. They definitely look like they were a clear top three, five team in the league and definitely a cut above a bunch of other teams despite this loss to the Chiefs, who are also in that upper echelon of teams. Yeah, for sure. And, of course, we know the main headline of this game was two great young quarterbacks going up against each other and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Um, but one thing that tends to be overshadowed a little bit is the defense of both these teams. Uh, I thought that the Chargers and Chiefs both played pretty good team defense uh, with notable uh, players stepping up on both teams like Derwin James from the Chargers and Willie Gay from the Chiefs. Yeah, for sure. Willie Gay was sniffing out plays all over the place that the rest of the Chiefs defense just were missing. And then by doing that, he was able to save some huge plays. And then, of course, Derwin James with the suplex on Travis Kelsey making highlight reels all over the Internet. So, big yeah. time. For sure. Um, yeah, one another big story of this game was that no Keenan Allen uh, for the Chargers, their wide receiver number one. But um, wide receiver two, Mike Williams for the Chargers, definitely stepped up in a big way, had over 100 yards receiving, and a pretty sweet one-handed touchdown catch. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, on the Chargers' offense, uh, one item I thought was a little, little bit concerning, and that's Austin Eckler, if you want to take it away. Yeah, so I've got Austin Eckler in two leagues, and it's just been kind of annoying to see him um, not being able to produce at the level that we've seen him produce in years past. And the, the bottom line with Austin Eckler is that I don't think he's quite the most, he's really the most talented running back in the league. I think that he gets drafted high in fantasy because he gets volume in the receiving game and just is an impact there in general. I think that he's not even a top 10 running back in the league, like just normally, like for football. And then he might not even be top 15. He's not super explosive. He's not the most powerful guy, the fastest guy. He doesn't have great vision. I just don't think he's a great runner overall, but he is a very good receiver. And in the past, that's helped him become a great fantasy running back. But he's just not returning value in fantasy football right now because he's not getting the volume because his touches are getting stolen by other running backs like Sony Michelle. And um, who's the other one? It was uh, Sony Michelle and Josh Kelly. Uh, Joshua so, Kelly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just disappointing to see that he's um, not living up to the level that he has in the past. But, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Justin Herbert in this game, I thought, played super well. And we saw that he is tough as nails. Looked like he maybe, like, fractured a rib or broke a rib, something like that. And was able to come back in and throw a, a late touchdown. Uh, it was pretty deep too. Yeah, it had to be at least like forty yards or something, right on the money. Like, definitely shows right. the determination that he has. But yeah, yeah let's sure. move on and to on the other. Ooh, sorry, I'm going to talk about Mahomes a little bit right here for a sec. Perfect. On the yeah, other end on, of the ball, the Chiefs have. Uh, yeah, uh, my guy Patrick Mahomes, uh, the rightful owner of the title. Best quarterback in the NFL, not Josh Allen, 
quite yet. Quite yet. I still we'll got see. We'll see. Um, <laughs> uh, while the box score might not have exactly shown how good of a game Mahomes had, I thought what was really impressive was how he uh, spread out the ball to different receivers in their offense. Uh, we both made the mistake of starting Juju Smith-Schuster in our fantasy leagues. It was not pretty. That came back. Yeah, that came back to bite us for sure. However, um, it was really cool to see how Mahomes was able to spread the wealth on offense, and I believe he hit something like 10 different receivers with passes, um, and that's always good to see. Yeah, it was a very impressive performance from Patrick Mahomes. Not quite as impressive as week one where he just absolutely torched the Cardinals, but definitely still a worthy performance of a top quarterback in this in the NFL. But yeah, now let's move on to the sure. first game of the Sunday night, uh, the Sunday games with the Jets versus the Browns. The storyline of this game was really the Browns being unable to manage the clock and then Joe Flacco, the ghost of Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Le- him. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Leads the Jets to victory bec- and capitalize off of the Browns mistakes. Like literally. I think there was like two minutes and like eight seconds left or something in the in the game. They could have just waited until the two-minute warning, not ran a play, gotten that first down. It was second and six or something. They could have easily gotten the first down. And once they got that first down, the game was over. They would have been able to kneel out the clock because the Jets had no timeouts. But instead, they run a play before the two-minute warning. Kareem Hunt goes out of bounds before the two-minute warning, which gives the Jets even more time to get on the clock to get on the field and march down the field with Garrett Wilson absolutely slicing up this defense, Joe Flacco um, literally flashing back to 30 year old prime Joe Flacco and leading this team <laughs> prime Joe Flacco, but yeah, leading this team back, back into this game and they ended up beating the Browns because of it. But yeah, I'll let you chime in here now if you want. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to complain personally because I've got Nick Chubb on my fantasy team. But Me I too, saw actually. Nick Chubb getting a, getting a lot of criticism um, for taking that last he, – he got three touchdowns in this game. The third one, he's getting a lot of hate for for not just, like, hitting the floor and letting the clock run out. Instead, as you mentioned, poor clock management skills. He took it in for a touchdown, leaving the door open for the Jets when they could have just run it out. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, you pretty much covered it all. Brown's run game still looks pretty unstoppable. However, this yeah, this, this run game is going to carry them into the playoffs until they can get Deshaun Watson back. Like, if the Browns are going to have a chance of making the playoffs, which, like, at this point in time, there's a lot of teams that are underperforming right now, and the Browns have actually been playing pretty well, apart from their clock it's management definitely stuff. Possible. But, yeah, but Stefanski's a, a good coach. I think he'll work out this clock management stuff early on, getting the criticism that he's rightfully deserving now. And then as soon as, and then once the playoff time come around, comes around, they're going to have Deshaun Watson. And whatever Deshaun Watson does off the field, on the field, he's a top 10 quarterback, if not better. And he, the Browns will be a good team. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think that the that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt uh, behind that offensive line is just too good to not at least make them a playoff contender, especially with Amari Cooper um, playing well this past week too. Yeah. Um, Deshaun Watson, good player, horrible person. But we'll, Let's we'll emphasize that as that. much as we can. But yeah, yes. moving on. Um, yeah, next up we got Commanders versus the Lions. Um, I watched a decent amount of this game. 
Jared Goff has been really impressing me, and really the Lions offense as a whole. They scored 35 points uh, week one against the Eagles, and they scored over 35 again, I believe, in this game. Yeah, um, they had 36. And really, I think that's something that's yeah, that's something that's pretty surprising to me. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown looks phenomenal. DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams in that backfield are running a little running back by committee role. They both look really good. And I think, honestly, like there's no reason why the Lions can't sneak into the playoffs at this rate. Yeah, especially with other teams just underperforming throughout the entire league. And like on the Washington side of the ball, though, Carson Wentz has also looked pretty good despite like any criticisms that this trade has gotten. Um, in the off season, he looked really good week one and week two, he, um, matched it again with another over 300 yard performance with three touchdowns. And Carson Wentz, he's always going to be that like hit or miss quarterback. He's going to have a couple of terrible, like mind numbing decisions each, each game, but he has the physical talent to, <laughs> he has the physical talent to, uh, carry this team into a playoff contending spot, especially with the, Cowboys falling out right now without Dak Prescott, despite playing well this week, but we'll get on to that later. Um, and yeah, I think that defensively, the Lions definitely, they gave up a lot of points both weeks, so their defense definitely needs, it's going to have to step up. But Aiden Hutchinson with a very big game this week, I think it was three sacks and just living yeah. up to the number two overall pick and probably the defensive rookie of the year favorite right now. And yeah, that's, I think that Dan Campbell has this team like working for him. Like this team loves the culture of this team is incredible. And Dan Campbell just has reinvigorated this franchise into becoming a very like competitive football team, regardless of who they're playing, but the talent is still lacking. So it's going to hold them back from being a playoff caliber team. Probably. Yeah. There's definitely something to be said for that coaching and all the motivation that the players get from that. I do want to touch on the fact that you mentioned the defense giving up a lot of points. I do think it definitely was a little concerning. The Lions jumped out to a pretty big early lead, and that defense just kept crumbling, crumbling, and crumbling. And the, the Lions having a lead is not all the way back. The Lions having a lead is not something they're used to having, so they just didn't know what to do in that spot. So, yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, and the Commanders came all the way back, um, but. Uh, the Lions, I mean, obviously secured the lead again and ended up getting the dub. Yeah, so let's move on to the Bucks versus the Saints. The storyline of this game going into it and then throughout the game was just Jameis Winston playing with broken vertebrae in his back. How do you do Crazy. that? That's just, like, Crazy. it showed on the field. Like, Jameis did not have a very good game. He had a pretty horrible no. game by, like, the, it was horrible. Especially when you have Andy Dalton as your backup quarterback. He's one of the better backups in this league. So, Jameis, just take a seat. Let yourself heal. You're not ready to, you're not, you're not Justin Herbert. You're not gonna, you're not Matthew Stafford who are playing through these other injuries and performing well. And at least Matthew Stafford has in the past. Like, just take a seat. Let Andy Dalton come in and lead this team. Cause like, that was just not a pretty performance and just, I understand that he was completely injured, but Jameis Winston is always going to have these games in him. He, There's a reason why he led the league in interceptions that one year, had like 30. Like the dude gives away the ball. He's an inconsistent player. And the fact that he can have a performance like this in him, regardless of injury, like, yeah, the injury, I can't emphasize enough how crazy it is that he played with it, but it was still not the best performance by him. And it's a little concerning there. 
But yeah, I'll let you give your input on this if you want. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that Jameis didn't look the best during this game. But when I was watching the first half, he didn't look that bad. Like, I know the offense wasn't really able to put points on the board. And obviously, that's something that's not good. But unlike the short to medium routes, he was fairly accurate. Michael Thomas was coming up big. I like James Winston. As a person, I think he's pretty funny, too. He's hilarious. His uh, off-season training videos, too. Um, But, yeah, I do agree with you. If you're playing with an injury of this magnitude, maybe it might be best to let uh, the Red Rifle come in and bail you out. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't say it any better. But, yeah, moving on to the Saints, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball, Marshawn Lattimore locking up Mike Evans, and then the, they got into a, a little bit of a scuffle there, causing Mike Evans to he get suspended Mike for Evans. a game. Yeah, like Mike Mike Evans is – Marshawn Lattimore is Mike Evans' father. Like that dude just owns Mike Evans every single time they play, and Marshawn Lattimore is a very good corner, probably a top seven corner in the league around that range. And he just played out of his mind and was able to – pretty much lock up Mike Evans for the most part that game. And then overall, like Michael Thomas on the offensive side of the ball, he had a little bit of a he still he, he caught a touchdown and is continuing his like bounce back street. Like he didn't have as many he hasn't really had a game with a ton of yards, but he's definitely back. He's getting getting targets, being a very effective red zone threat and just overall a very good player. And then another just this Buccaneers defense, man, it's incredible. They, I had them in fantasy football this week. They got t- me 25 points. That's just – that's pretty incredible. Like, Jamel Dean got two interceptions. They got sacks all over the place. Shaquille Barrett got two sacks. Antoine Winfield got a sack. My guy, one of the best safeties in the league, in my opinion. Like I keep saying, Antoine yeah. Winfield is incredible. And, like, this defense as a whole, it's incredibly well coached. They have so much talent. Regardless of how the offense plays, this defense is going to make them a top six, seven team lock. Because when you have Tom Brady and a defense like this, you're going to be one of the best teams in football. I think they're a top three team right now. I'd probably put them as the third best team in the league right now, despite underperforming on offense right now. But when you have Tom Brady and a defense of this caliber, you're going to be an incredible team. Yeah, um, Tom Brady, obviously the GOAT, best quarterback of all time. However, I do feel like through these first two games – he has not looked very impressive. Not like the yeah. Tom Brady that I've I've come to know, at least. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It could be partly because he sat out a lot of the off season and just um just going to give him a little bit of time to get back into get back into things. But it's definitely a little concerning that he's looking like, quite frankly, an average quarterback when you're Tom Brady. But I guess we'll really see when he plays the Packers this week if he's the Tom Brady we know. He's going to be able to dice up a defense that's playing as poorly and as simplistically as the Packers have been. Like the Packers have been like never blitzing at all. They're like running, they're not running any man coverage, almost entirely zone coverage so far. And if Tom Brady, this is going to be a big test. If Tom Brady's going to be able to um, still run an effective offense without Mike Evans against this Packers defense, then we'll know that he's fine and he's back. But I don't know. It's going to be a challenge and we'll see how he actually ends up doing. But yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you can tell that with each drop pass or each missed throw, he just gets more and more frustrated. But Tom, Brady, I, Tom Brady's in... not someone that 
takes lightly to these types of things, much like Aaron Rodgers. No. Yeah. Yeah, very true. I think he'll bounce back. I've got faith in Tommy. Yeah. So, yeah, let's move on to the next Um, week. Moving on. Yeah, Panthers versus Giants. Um, So this is a game that I actually watched probably closer than most people because I've got uh, McCaffrey and Saquon in fantasy. Um, And I thought that the Giants, despite the fact that they're 2-0, which is, like, crazy that the Giants are undefeated right now, I don't think anything about the way that they played in this game was that impressive. I thought everything looked pretty mediocre in general. I mean, I it's good that they were still able to get points on the board. It was mainly through field goals and stuff like that. I thought Daniel Jones looked meh. Saquon was nowhere near the player he was week one, which is expected. Um, and the defense was all right. I mean, I don't know. I just Nothing really stood out to me about the Giants at all. So here's the thing. The Giants are a team that lacks talent all across the board. So they're going to like underperform some weeks because of that. But the reason why they're 2-0 is because they've got an incredible coach. Brian Dable, I think, is going to climb up the coaching ranks throughout this season. And it's just, he was one of the best hires. I thought he was the number one head coaching candidate during the offseason. And he's proving me right that, um, cause he's leading this giant te- Giants team with limited talent. Like their best player is probably what Andrew Thomas, their left tackle. He's having a great season for sure. But apart from that, like Andrew Thomas, you got Saquon, but Saquon's always a little bit of a question mark with his injuries and stuff. But the rest of that offense is a huge question mark. Like, but he's still able to lead them to a 2-0 um, season start. So I think that Brian Dable is just a very smart and talented coach. And that as long as he's the coach, the Giants are going to be competitive in some of these games. But at the same time, the Panthers are just a pitiful team. They're on the, on the flip side of things. They've got a little bit of talent with guys like DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey on the defensive side of the ball. You've got Jeremy Chin. You've got Brian Burns. Like you've got some talented players on the, on your roster, but Matt rule is not it, dude. Matt rule is one of the worst coaches in the entire league. If I'd be surprised if he isn't fired, like I'd be, I'd be surprised if he wasn't fired during the season, if he continues at this rate. Like Matt Rule's probably on the hottest seat of anyone of any coach in the league right now because like he's just so clearly not a good coach at all. Like all the the play design is utterly horrible. Like the play calling is bad. Like just not a Matt Rule fan over here. And like I don't know. I just think that yeah. the Panthers yeah. are horrible. Maybe the worst team in the league. Yeah. Um. And Matt Rule, like over his first what three four three season, I I believe. He started like off that. with a, just a horrible record, and like you can you can argue that on a team like the Panthers, a record isn't everything. But you mentioned that they have some talent; they're just they don't look like it at all. And it's not fair to place all of that on coaching. I think on the offensive side of the ball, I think that Baker looks not that good. I, McCaffrey had a pretty solid game, had a hundred yards rushing, uh, a couple catches. But other than that, DJ Moore did nothing. Bobby Anderson didn't do much at all. I just think Baker's not good enough of a quarterback to, even with this type of talent, just put points on the board. And that's what they need to win, obviously. And I don't know. The Panthers just, yeah, I agree with you. They suck. Yeah. 
So yeah, after that dumpster fire of a game right there, but let's move on to the uh, Steelers versus the Patriots. Starting off with the Steelers just because, yeah, Mitch Trubisky looking more like Mitch than the NV- than the MVP. Like he flashed some athleticism, he flashed some a little bit of yeah, he flashed athleticism. That's about it. But um, he was just missing reads all over the field. He was inaccurate. He threw a pick like. I don't want to put Kenny Pickett in quite yet, but it's if Mitch Trubisky has another week or two like this, I think it's going to be time to move over to Kenny Pickett because like Mitch is just so clearly not it. Like Matt, and Matt Canada's play calling has also been a little bit questionable. Like it's been fine, but just I don't know. Like it's it's refreshing to have an athletic quarterback this year, like as a as opposed to Ben from last year. So like Mitch is definitely an upgrade from Ben, but he's just that's not exactly not hard, hard to do. Too. Yeah, exactly. Mitch, Mitch, Mitch is still not a top thirty quarterback in the NFL, and I think that we have to turn to Kenny Pickett soon. And like Najee Harris, for example, he's—I know he was dealing with a little bit of an injury, but the talent level—I think we shouldn't have spent a first-round pick on Najee Harris. And it's just—I don't know. Najee's just not able to run behind this offensive line, and Jalen Warren is honestly looking just as good as Najee running the ball while also putting in more effort as a pass blocker and as a run blocker down the field when he has to. And, like, on the receiving side of things, like, yeah, Mitch Trubisky just wasn't able to get the ball out to the receivers effectively. Like, Pat Fryermuth, like, just the average depth of target for him was just super low, and, like, they just were not a fun offense to watch at all. And then this defense, on the other hand, like, Miles Jack looked good. Minka Fitzpatrick had some really good plays. But apart from that, this defense was not that good this this uh, this game. Like we, it, sh- it was good that we were able to show some fight after TJ Watt going down. But like that, the loss of TJ Watt is so evident. Like the like the contrast from game one against the Bengals, which was a better offense. Game one against the Bengals, against a better offense, the Steelers were absolutely dominant. But then on on the defensive side of the ball. But then now against the Patriots, who have a mid offense with like. The, the Patriots were able to move the ball relatively easily. Like, yeah, they only, they held them to 17 points, but I, it just it didn't feel like the same Steelers defense that we're used to with everything. Yeah, for sure. And I was going to jump in there too. You would think that holding a team to 17 points is not like a horrible performance. That's good. That's usually a good sign of a strong defensive showing. But they, it just didn't look like... The same Steelers not, defense. Yeah, I not agree from the 100%. Steelers. The Steelers are a defense right. that needs to be making plays over the field, getting sacks, forcing interceptions. Like that's how we're going to win the game with an offense as bad as we are, and it's just not pretty. But anyways, I think I should probably move over to the Patriots side of the ball a little bit. Yeah. Mac Jones looked all right. He looked like an average starting quarterback, maybe a little bit above. He's, he's a he's a decent quarterback, top twenty guy, but not nothing special. And he'll probably perennially be a Kirk Cousins type of quarterback, but and that's probably his ceiling. But anyways, as a, in the rushing game, however, like Ramondre Stevenson, he didn't get as many carries as Damian Harris, but Ramondre Stevenson runs angry, dude. I really liked him coming out of the draft, and Ramondre Stevenson is a big dude with a lot of speed on him. He's a very powerful runner. He was just running over guys, getting extra yards after contact. It was. Very frustrating to watch him just drag like four Steelers defenders for an extra five yards every single play, and it was not the best thing to watch. But yeah, also Jacoby Myers had a couple of really good catches, and that chemistry with Mac Jones is definitely very evident. But 
overall the I don't know, like the Patriots are just kind of a mid team. Like they're I don't think they're really gonna contest for the playoffs, especially in a division with the the Dolphins who just showed out a bunch in the Buffalo Bills. So like I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs despite having Bill Belichick, but I don't know. They'll probably be in that fifteen to twenty three range of team uh throughout the season. Yeah, um Bill Belichick, great coach, obviously. Mm, probably the best coach of all time. Um, I saw a stat that he's never lost two games in a row in his whole career, which is, like, crazy. Like, I had to, like, double, triple check that that's true. Is that actually I'm, like, true? I'm pretty sure it's true. Wow. Yeah, I heard, I saw it. I know. Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. Um, however, I wouldn't be surprised if that streak ends this year because I do not like Mac Jones. I don't think he's good at all. I think he gets hyped up just because he's playing – He's, oh, he's Tom Brady. He's the next Tom Brady, guys. He's a system player. He's white. He's Tom Brady. No, that's not how it works. He's not good. I don't think that he's the next franchise quarterback for these Patriots. I mean, he's serviceable, I guess, when you have a good enough team around him to build off of. But they just don't. The defense isn't as good as it was last year. I do think the run game's good. Um, I agree with you with Ramondre Stevenson being super talented. I think he's better than Damian Harris. But it's super hard to follow with these Patriots running backs because Bill Belichick is always mixing it up. That's why you can never play him in fantasy. That's why you can never trust on one to have a bigger game than the other. You never know what's going to happen. Um, and overall, I mean, yeah, the Patriots did win this game, but they they didn't look that good. And no offense to you, Scott, I don't think the Steelers are that good either. Especially without TJ Watt. But yeah, yeah, let's move on to the Colts versus the Jaguars then. I thought there was a lot to unpack in this game. Despite the 24-0 score, I was very entertained by this game, and there was a lot of implications on how the season's going to go based off of it. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll let you choose, Cooper. Should I start off with the good news or the bad news? Let's go good news. Okay, so we'll start off with the Jaguars. Obviously, a dominant performance, 24-0 against the Colts. Trevor Lawrence has arrived. I think this season he's going – I think he's already a top uh, 13 quarterback in the NFL. I think that last season was the – stat, the stat sheet didn't show the full story. I thought he was still a top 22, 21 quarterback last year despite performing terribly statistically. But this season he's – with improved weapons, improved offensive line, much, much improved coaching – He's able to actually show off his talents. And last, this game, he was incredibly efficient, throwing 25 for 38 for 38 for over 225 yards and two touchdowns with like pretty much mistake free football. And they just dominated this game. Like Christian Kirk has proven to be an incredible signing and like proving a lot of people wrong for saying he was overpaid. Like, yeah, I don't think Christian Kirk is the most talented receiver in the world, but he's definitely a top 25 wide receiver that is producing very well with a great young quarterback. And also guys like Zay Jones. Like Zay Jones is kind of like a – I kind of like Zay Jones because like in 2018 or something, 2019, playing Madden, he like developed into like a 95 overall for me for some reason. So I like, I've like i always liked Zay Jones. But like this season on the Jaguars, he's actually looked pretty good and he's been a, a pretty good weapon for them overall despite like the thinking prior to the season that he was just like some meh like little role player addition to this team. But yeah, and also like defensively, 
they were like, I don't know if this is more just Matt Ryan being really bad or the defense being good, but they were able to get three interceptions this game. And they were like, they got a bunch of sacks off this very good Colts offensive line. And this defense just picks a shutout. And that's always great to see, despite the, no matter how bad the Colts played. Yeah. And as for the Colts coming into the season, I feel like I was one of the people that were like, was like a Colts truther. I was super excited to see how this offense would look with Matt Ryan. I mean, they were my number one favorite sleeper team. I thought they could make a deep playoff run. They look horrible. And I, I don't know. It's just disappointing to see Matt Ryan looks washed. He does not look good at all. And in this game specifically, where Michael Pittman didn't play, that's your number one receiving option. Why did Jonathan Taylor get nine yes. carries? Yes, it's utterly stupid, dude. He was efficient when running the ball, too. He was averaging six yards per carry, but only got nine carries. Why? It makes no sense. He's the, probably the most dominant running back in the NFL uh, since the Derrick Henry falloff. Um, and he's just not getting love from the coaches, I guess. Is that play calling? I don't even know. I mean, yeah, Frank, might have had Frank Reich is definitely going to be on the hot seat if he continues to um, call plays like this and the Colts continue to perform like this. It's not looking pretty. Right. I mean, the lack of running the ball might have had uh, something to do with the fact that they were down for a lot of the game. But if they had started to get Jonathan Taylor going early, that would have kept the tempo up. You could have been able to pass the ball better, take a little stress off of Matt Ryan. I don't know. I just feel like this was a really confusing game from the Colts offensively in general. I yeah, or at the all the things you said. Yeah, or at the very least, get Jonathan Taylor involved in the receiving game. He literally got one catch. Like, if you're gonna yeah. have to throw the ball because you're down, to throw to your best player, especially when your best re- receiver is injured. Like, get him involved any way you can when you're talent deprived. It just doesn't make sense to me. Right. Exactly. And I did want to say that I agree with all the things you said about uh, Trevor Lawrence. He looks really good. Really good. Yeah. And as much as I like Justin Fields, mainly just because he's a bear, Trevor Lawrence is by far and away the best quarterback from last year's draft class. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Especially potential-wise. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So, I mean, I feel like that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah. Uh, moving on to uh, the Dolphins and Ravens game. This game was insane. Like, I think this was probably the best game of the entire weekend, of the entire week two. Um, The Ravens got off to a super hot start. Lamar looked amazing throughout the whole game, showing, proving uh, to everyone that, once again, he deserves that bag. Yes, he does. Yeah. And I thought Lamar ate up the Dolphins' defense, um, and everything looked really, really good for the Ravens throughout this game. They were up... 21 points in the third, I believe. Something, something like that, there. yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, two in the Dolphins never quit. They came marching back and made that game super tight at the end and obviously came back and won. I thought Tua looked great. And I don't like Tua. I don't think Tua is that good. I think he's super accurate. I do think he's a little overhated. He's just meh. But he looked really good. Tyree Kale, Jalen Waddle, both balled out. It was super encouraging to see from the Dolphins' offense in general. Yeah, so I think that Tua, while he did look great, and this was probably the best game of his career, throwing for over 450 yards and like six touchdowns or something, 
definitely one of the best games of his career. But I think that this is more of a showing of that Mike McDaniel is the real deal as a head coach. Being able to scheme, like he's able to scheme up these plays, like and calc- and capitalize on mismatches all throughout the field, and really just weaponize Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle's speed in a way that we just didn't think was going to be able to happen with Tua at quarterback. But Tua has improved this season. Yeah, a lot of his throws were, a lot of his touchdowns were um, taking advantage of blown coverages. But like blown coverages are going to happen, and at least Tua is able to take advantage of them. And while some of them might be slight underthrows or uh, especially on the deep balls, because his arm strength and mechanics aren't perfect. But two is definitely uh, a, a rising the ranks of quarterbacks, and he's he's going from a bottom tier quarterback to a solid starter, and like and a solid starter in a Mike McDaniel led offense with these weapons is going to be a good is going to uh, be able to lead a great offense. Like having Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill is just game changing. Their speed you can't guard both of them. And when they're both able to, when they're both that fast, that good route runners with that good of hands and like that good with the ball in their hands, you just, it's just impossible. And the Dolphins are going to have one of the better offenses in the league because of it. And Mike McDaniel is just going to have so much fun designing these plays because of it. And like we saw like the Ravens, I think that they've, they've got a talented secondary, but they just got absolutely torched and like got mis There were miscommunications, probably like just early season stuff. I'm sure they'll clean it up. But, like, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, like, they're the best receiving duo in the league right now. Both top 10 receivers. Tyreek Hill, probably the best receiver in the league, especially, like, especially the most game-breaking receiver in the league. Like, I don't know if he's the best, but he's the most game-breaking, that's for sure. Like, and, like, I don't know. It's just, it's this offense team is going to be so much fun to watch, and the vibes coming from this team are just so good. Yeah, um, I agree with that, definitely. I think the Dolphins look great. And you touched on that Ravens secondary, which I agree is a talented group. Something that I think that the Ravens defense needs to work on, or something, a part of the defense that kind of struggled was uh, up front and their D-line and really their front seven. I don't think they pressured Tua much at all throughout the entire game. I believe they only got one sack, hit him maybe two or three times total throughout the entire game, and that's simply not enough. Um, obviously, Tua is pretty accurate. Uh, he, he torched them with Waddle and Hill. I think you got to put more pressure on Tua in general, uh, for, if you're the Ravens and you wanted to end up winning that game. Um, but I also want to go back and really just look at this Lamar stat line. I'm going to read it out to you real quick. 318 passing yards, three touchdowns, nine carries for 119 rushing yards and a touchdown. Him. He's insane. He is so good. Yeah. Oh, it's so he's make, hard. He's for me. making such a good argument to get this contract, dude. Such yes, a good for argument. Sure. It's so hard for me to look at. I think the core four of guys is Mahomes, Allen, uh, Lamar, and Herbert. And it's really, really hard for me to take one of those guys out of my top three. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, I'll, I, I'm going to want to see a little bit more from Lamar because in your, like last year, he definitely was not at that level, and the year before that was definitely not at that level. But if he continues to perform like this this season, then I wouldn't be surprised if he finds his way up there. But there's definitely a couple of other quarterbacks I'd take over him, or at least in the same tier as him, before putting him in that group of quarterbacks. But that's a conversation for another episode when we can talk about our rankings sure. and stuff further down the season. But, yeah, yeah I think exactly. it's probably... Um, 
Yeah, I mean, just to close out this game, I think the Dolphins are the real deal for sure. I think they're going to make the playoffs. They could make a run. I think that the Ravens still are good. Obviously, high-powered offense. Defense is going to get better as the season goes on. I've still got them winning the AFC North with whatever the hell is going on in Cincinnati right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's time to move on. Uh, And let's go to the Falcons and the Rams. So, coming into this game, the Rams were 10-point favorites over the Falcons. Uh, I personally thought that they were going to have a real bounce-back game and just show to be, like, dominant over the Falcons, who I don't think the Falcons are a good team at all. And I think the Rams were supposed to be good, but they did not look like a dominant team at all. At all. I mean, they I, I would say they played down to the Falcons' level. They came out, they scored a touchdown with Cooper Cup right off the bat, or no, Allen Robinson right off the bat. It was nice to see A-Rob actually get involved in this offense a little bit. Um, but Stafford was spotty. I mean, I think he's a good quarterback, but so far throughout the season, I don't know. He just hasn't looked the same. Yeah, maybe his years and years of injuries are starting to catch up to him. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Cooper Cup is still dominant. Um, obviously talent-wise, he's not the top of the top for wider, the wide receiver position, but considering his situation and the numbers he puts up, he's way up there, um, and he's a beast. I think that the Rams' offense obviously wasn't really the problem in this game, although Stafford was kind of spotty. I think it's the defense. And the Rams' defense is something that we both hyped up coming into the season with our season preview episode, but obviously they got torched by the Bills. I mean, that's going to happen. It's Josh Allen. In a few lucky takeaways, but still, I'd say they got pretty, pretty burnt up, especially Jalen Ramsey. Um, and they kind of let this Falcons offense just like walk all over them. And Marcus Mariota, really, you're going to let Marcus Mariota do that to you? Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner, like, come on, you got to step it up. Yeah. But yeah, looking at the Falcons side of the ball, like, I don't know. I think that Marcus Mariota, like, he's obviously not a great quarterback, and um, throwing two picks, evident of that. He's just going to be a, he's a bottom tier quarterback right now. And this Falcons team in general should be a bottom tier tier team. And the fact they were able to keep it this close to the Rams is kind of concerning for the Rams. But for the Falcons, that's really good to see that um, their young players like Drake London has established himself as a great wide receiver early in his career. Like he almost had a hundred receiving yards. Like he had eight catches and a touchdown. Like that's just, that's just great to see from your young receiver. But on the flip side of that, your other young player, why are you not involving Kyle Pitts in this offense more? Kyle Pitts yeah. is a generational talent. He was the, he's the best pro player I've ever watched coming out of college. Kyle Pitts is unreal as a player. Please use him in this offense. It makes no sense why you're not. And it doesn't, it, it makes it even, yeah, what makes it even less sense is that Drake London, another young player, is asserting himself right away in this offense. And they're force feeding him the ball right away. He's getting he's gotten like the most catches in both games so far this season. But then Kyle Pitts, who's a far superior talent, and honestly if you just swapped if you put Drake Lennon at a tight end and Kyle Pitts at receiver, Kyle Pitts would be producing more and better. Kyle Pitts is that good. Just give him the damn ball, please. It makes no sense to me why you're not. He's 
Kyle Pitts is a Hall of Fame talent. Just please give him the damn ball, dude. But, yeah, I don't know. I think that the Falcons are still going to continue to be a bottom 10 team, bottom 5 team in the league. And, I don't know, they just, they're just not going to challenge much this this year. They might have a close game here and there to a good team like they did this week. But, overall, I don't think there there's much there with them. Yeah, for sure. And I think the main takeaway, again, Rams are underwhelming people. And, honestly, making me look like a fool for thinking that they're going to go and run it back. There's still time for them to kick it up a notch and uh, be that Super Bowl caliber team that they were a year ago. But um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's OBJ. Maybe they miss OBJ. Maybe they miss OBJ and Von Miller. The two of them were two very big key pieces in that playoff run, and they don't have them this year. So it's literally just Cooper Cup against everyone else. So, yeah. But, yeah, moving on to the 49ers versus the Seahawks. Obviously – the big storyline of this game is Trey Lance going out for a season-ending injury. And this this is kind of has two – it's kind of have double meanings. Like, this obviously limits the potential that the 49ers can have, but it also – we know exactly what the 49ers are now. We know the 49ers are going to be a top 12 team for sure this year because Jimmy Garoppolo has proven to be able to lead this team to deep into the playoffs and to lead this team to success. So they might not be that top three team, that top five team that we thought they could have been with Trey Lance taking a big step. But at least now we know that they're going to be a good team. We know exactly what they are. Like this defense, incredible. I think this defense is one of the best defenses in the league. Nick Bosa is one of the most talented players in the league, period. And I'd be surprised if he doesn't win a defensive player of the year in the next few years. And then move and like Kyle Shanahan, I think the play calling has been a little bit worse this year, honestly. Um, with the, the with with the departure of Mike McDaniel, but I still think that Kyle Shanahan is the best offensive mind in the league, and that he's going to be able to do whatever he wants this year. Um, but then, like, I just think that defensively, with um, it's going to be hard for this team to be bad with Nick Bosa dominating, and just the the, co- the defensive coaching has been really good. I feel like everyone there's. They haven't been that many penalties. Everyone haven't really had any coverage busts there. Um, like, yeah, week one was kind of a wash because of the terrible weather, and you're not used to it. But, like, I still think that and the, the 49 Yeah, and the Bears are just an elite team, of course. Justin Fields throwing yeah, for 50 exactly. yards and leading them to the victory. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, the 49ers, I think, are still going to be a, a top 10, 12 team without Trey Lance. But it just sucks that we won't be able to see Trey Lance this year, and I'm wishing him a speedy recovery. But... At least we know they're going to be a solid team this year with Jimmy Garoppolo like they have been in years past. And as for the Seahawks, I don't know. I think DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are a very good duo. Like like we all know, uh, Tyler Lockett got all the targets, but DK Metcalf had that spectacular grab where he just mossed that corner. It's not really being talked about too much, but I don't know. The Seahawks are a bottom-tier team that there's not really too much to talk about with them, especially when they have Geno Smith at quarterback. Geno Smith definitely played a lot worse this game than he did week one, but I don't know. I'll let you chime in now, Cooper. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you entirely. I honestly think that the major big story about this game is Trey Lance being out for the year, and everything about it, like the rest of it, was just kind of, yeah. I mean, the Seahawks... They've kind of come down to earth now after week one against the Broncos. Um, we can see that they're a bottom-tier team. I don't think they're very good at all. 
I am looking at the box score right now, and I saw that uh, DJ Dallas, Seahawks running back, got no carries, but he must have gone in on a trick play to throw a pass, and his one pass that he threw got intercepted. (laughs) So I feel like that might sum up uh, the Seahawks' offense as a whole. Um, Yeah, I just don't think they're a very good team at all. And I do think your point about Jimmy Garoppolo being swapped out for Trey Lance is um, definitely, it's kind of sad to see because as a fan of the NFL, I want to see Trey Lance, you know, ball out and be one of those uh, guys that are next up for being the next great quarterback. But um, at least the 49ers can be confident that they have Jimmy Garoppolo, who's got playoff experience. He's not going to do anything to play super well and like win you games, but he's not going to lose you games. I think that their floor is pretty high with Jimmy G at their quarterback, but obviously, like you said, their ceiling isn't as high as it was when Trey Lance was in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Let's move on now to the Bengals versus the Cowboys. Cooper, take us away. Yeah. I mean, honestly, as each week comes and goes, it's just, so hard to watch the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't understand what happened to them. They over the offseason they improved that offensive line was probably which was probably the worst part of their Super Bowl team from last year. Um, they re-signed Jesse Bates. They kept all the core guys from that offensive group. They just suck. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Like they how. How can you go in and lose to Cooper Rush? Cooper Rush. Oh, it's sad. I can answer that question for you. You said that the worst part of their team in the Super Bowl run was their offensive line. The worst part of their team is Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor is a horrendous coach. He's a bottom five coach in the league that's been carried by elite talent. And last year in the playoffs, he was able to put a little bit of stuff together, but he's regressed all the way back. Joe Burrow, if you watch him, he gets physically angry with Zach Taylor when he has him going out there running like empty formation. He's just, and then he ends up getting killed. Like if you look at the Bengals, um, if you watch the Bengals, they run so much empty formation. And that's part of the, one of the main reasons why Joe Burrow is a, is getting hit all these times because he just doesn't have help from his running back. So even though he's got great pocket presence, he's a great, he gets, he can get the ball out quickly if he wants to. Zach Taylor's calling horrible plays, setting up horrible protections. And just, it's just not fun to watch. It's not, he's not making an inspiring offense and he's wasting away this talent. And on the defensive side of the ball, it's the same thing. They've got talent, but letting Cooper rush play that well against you, you, it's just embarrassing. And, the Bengals, like Zach Taylor, has to go after the season. If the Bengals don't make, don't win at least ten games, which they should, with the amount of talent they have on the roster, Zach Taylor has to go. Yeah, for sure, I definitely agree with that. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, the high amount of talent that this team has—that's why it's just so frustrating to watch. And yeah, Joe Burrow's getting killed out there. I mean. Who knows? He could turn into the next Andrew Luck. Just call it quits in like two years because he's getting attacked by the defense. Um, I feel like we should probably talk about the Cowboys a little bit, even though the Bengals definitely are the big story of this game. Um, 
first week without Dak, your starting quarterback, uh, I honestly expect the Cowboys to get rolled in this game. Obviously, they stuck in there. Uh, I respect Mike McCarthy a lot for allowing Cooper Rush to go out there, and he took some gambles, went for some fourth downs, allowed him to make some throws instead of just hiding him and, like, limiting him to short passes and screens and stuff like that. I respect him for that. Um, I also think on the defensive side of the ball, uh, we established that we love Micah Parsons on this podcast, and he balled out too. Micah Parsons for Depoy, guys. Yeah, exactly. Get on the train before it leaves the station, everyone. Micah yeah, exactly. Parsons, talented. So yeah, let's so move on. I mean, let's move on now to yeah. the Texans versus the Broncos. Probably there's not much more to take away from this game. But Cooper, I'll let you start us off again. But so, what do you think about yeah, the train I mean, wreck honestly, that is the Denver Broncos? Dude, I do not understand what happened to Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, week one in the box score, it looked like he had a pretty good game. He had over three hundred passing yards and a touchdown. Um, but really, if you watch, if you've watched Russell Wilson these past two weeks, he just doesn't look the same. His deep ball hasn't looked as good as it has in years past, which is normally his best trait. He's not as accurate. He doesn't have um, the quick decision-making that he normally does. I don't know. Something's definitely up with Russ. And really, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say that the Broncos, like, flopped this game because they won, but that's just what they did. They flopped. They did not look good. And they've been disappointing a lot of people in their preseason predictions. Yeah, I think this um, question can be answered once again in the word coaching. I don't think Nathaniel Hackett is him. I think that he's just a little bit of a – he's just a huge question mark. I don't think that he's running the best offense overall. I think the play calling has been a little bit suspect. It's annoying that he's continuing to rotate in both running backs, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. I think that they have to just go with a more talented guy in Javante Williams and just – roll with that train, but this offense just seems so out of sync. And especially when Jerry Judy went down with that injury, the offense just couldn't do anything. And Russell Wilson just was completely out of sync. And I think part of the reason why he's having a hard time adjusting to this offense is because Nathaniel Hackett is just not a great coach. I think he's a bottom five, six coach in the league right now. And he's probably going to have a short tenure with the Broncos if he continues to have these struggles. Yeah, I mean, all in all, not that much to take away from this game. The Texans didn't look that good, which I don't think anyone really expected them to look that good. Uh, Davis Mills played all right. I mean, they weren't able to get any touchdowns up on the board, just three field goals. But um, I do admire that Texans defense for being able to keep them in this game. But I mean, all in all, this game was kind of a dud. I think the one thing we can take away from the Texans, though, is that Damian Pierce actually got involved this week uh, for 15 carries for almost 70 yards. Like He was definitely a pretty good running back this week, and it's good, nice to see that he was a more focal point in this offense after being outshined by Rex Burkhead week one. So for fantasy people, this is a good sign for Damian Pierce. But yeah, we should probably move on now to and- the next game. Um Let's talk about the Cardinals versus the Raiders. Kyler Murray Murray is him. Kyler Murray carries his team. Cliff Kingsbury, fuck you. Um, 
Cliff Kingsbury is not a good coach. I know I'm just talking about coaching over and over and over again, but it, there's just a lot of bad coaches in the league that are wasting away the talent on these rosters. Like, sorry, let me, let me re- rephrase that. For Cliff Kingsbury, he's just not a good coach. The play calling sucks. Play design sucks. Just, he's clearly not a good leader because they, they just collapse halfway through the season every single year after starting off strong. But this Cardinals team, their roster this year is pretty thin. Their offensive line is pretty thin. Their receiving core after without D hop is not the greatest. Like Marquise Brown was a good addition and eight, but like when AJ green is your wide receiver too, it's not really a good, like it's not very good. Like they're missing Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk was never very productive for them, but he was a talented player that they could get out on the field. And I think, part, I think look, going back to Cliff Kingsbury, I think Christian Kirk's emergence on the Jaguars is another like way to say how bad Cliff Kingsbury is as a, as a coach because he wasn't able to use a talent like Christian Kirk on the uh, when he was on the Cardinals he was like just stuck as like a he he's more of a slot guy in my opinion but he was they just forced him to be a perimeter receiver that would just not be able to they just wouldn't put him in spots to, to succeed but now on the on the Jaguars he's able to produce like that I just think that's that speaks volumes how bad of a coach Cliff Kingsbury is. And like while Isaiah Simmons like had a solid game, like I'm sorry, moving on to the defensive side of the ball, while Isaiah Simmons had a solid game, he really redeemed himself with the force fumble force fumbled um, to win the game in overtime, which was just incredible. Like I'm the biggest Isaiah Simmons fan there is. I thought he's the best defensive prospect I've ever watched. No, that's not true. Sorry. Chase Young is the best defensive prospect I've ever watched. Um, Isaiah Simmons is the second best. And I love Isaiah Simmons, and it's just so fun to see that him make a big play like that and just it to be broadcasted like on everywhere because of how great of a play it was. And Isaiah Simmons, he still had his struggles this game. I don't think he was perfect, but he was it was definitely a better game than he had week one. And to cap it all off with a play like that was definitely a lot of fun. And just overall, I think the defense definitely could be improved, but when you're going against Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, like it's going to be hard to absolutely lock them up. But I thought they were decent this week. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Devontae Adams, another player, star player, most talented receiver in football. I think it's the best receiver in football. I think he's better than Tyreek. That's valid. But yeah. Um, another guy just not involved at, at all. I mean, he got those seven targets, but – Two catches, 12 yards. He had a touchdown, but it was just like a, a little two-yard um, off from Derek yeah. Carr. Yeah. I don't understand why these teams aren't getting these talented players involved. I mean, maybe it's something I'm not seeing uh, schematically or what the defense is giving them. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, for, I, for this, I think that because I don't think it's a problem with the Raiders for, like, as like a whole, because week one, Devontae Adams just force fed the ball and he was like a huge like key in that offense. Like I'd have to go back and watch like and dive into the all 22 if I'm going to really answer this question. But I think that the main problem was just like the, the Cardinals defense was just focusing in so much on Devontae Adams that they just decided to, that they'd rather have let other people beat them, which is why, it was a really like, well-spread-out attack. Like, Matt Collins was able to get a, a bunch of catches in there. Hunter Renfro produced well, too. 
Darren Waller got a bunch of catches. Like, I just think it was a more well-balanced attack because the Cardinals focused on taking away their best weapon, which was Devontae Adams. And I don't think it's a problem for them, like, overall, because, like, like sorry, as, like, a over overall season, like, projection, I don't think Devontae Adams is going to, like, not get the ball. He's not going to produce as well. But, like, you are right that they should try to get him involved more, especially when the game, when it's, like, like yeah, they were winning for a lot of this game, but especially when the game started going down to the wire and you noticed that, like, the Cardinals were starting to make a comeback, that's when you have to rely on your best players, and they didn't do that with Devontae Adams. But the Cardinals did rely on their right. best players and that Kyler Murray just fucking cook. Kyler Murray is the best improviser in football, debatably. When he, like, he just can run around and make stuff happen. He can, like, that one throw he had um, on the two-point conversion, I think it was, or maybe it was the touchdown, the last touchdown, but, like, it was, he fit into the smallest window I think I've ever seen. It was the AJ Green in the back of the end zone. It was unbelievable. Like Great it was play. a, it was an absolute laser. I think Kyler Murray is more talented of a quarterback than Lamar Jackson, but because Lamar Jackson is in a better spot to succeed because and like will produce better and is just a more polished quarterback with like his processing and stuff, I will take Lamar Jackson over him now. Even though in the past I have taken Kyler, but I do think they're very close. It's a very close competition, and Kyler Murray gets disrespected a little bit too much. I think Kyler Murray is him. I disagree with that Lamar opinion. I mean, you can have yours. That's fine. Um, but, yeah, Kyler looked amazing. Uh, you know, evading pass rushers, scrambling around, getting outside the pocket, going back into the pocket, and getting back out um, to make throws and make plays happen. Uh, it was really good to see from Kyler. And, yeah, he did. <laughs> he's been getting a lot of hate lately because of his uh, – off-the-field habits and um, video game playing. Um, but obviously, he's a great quarterback. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, this is another game like the uh, Ravens and Dolphins where the Raiders had a big lead late, two-touchdown lead in the fourth, and the Cardinals just didn't give up. They battled back, led by Kyler Murray. Um, and, yeah, this was a great game. Hunter Renfro with those two fumbles in overtime, that was really hard to watch. I felt bad. Yeah. But yeah, I think we should move on. And I think I'll let you talk about your Chicago Bears now, Cooper. Dude. All right. I don't even know where to begin. I'll start off by saying that last week I made some comments about the Packers and about how the Vikings tore them apart. And while it may seem like they came back to bite me, I don't think that this game went as bad as it possibly could have. I, I think that's a fair take. There were definitely good things to take away from it on the Bears' side, but it was pretty bad. I'll, I'll, start, I'll start off by saying that I'll start with the good things. I thought David Montgomery looked really, really good at running back for the Bears. Uh, tacklers were just bouncing off of him, and he was making plays and really was the only sign of life in this Bears' offense in general. Um, I think Eddie Jackson continued uh, his streak of playing pretty well this season. Um, but the rest of the defense, especially with the run game, got ate up. <sighs> I'm just going to go full Bears rant mode here. Be Justin my guest. Fields threw the, the mic is yours. Justin Fields 
threw the ball 11 times. I don't understand how you expect your second-year quarterback to get better at all or develop if you're going to let him throw the ball 11 times. Makes absolutely no sense. Cole Komet, non-existent, hasn't even caught a pass the entire season so far. Darnell Mooney has caught two, maybe three passes the entire year. I think Iberflus is a good coach. Some of these like choices just baffle me. I don't understand why you're not giving Justin Fields the opportunities that he deserves, that he needs to be better as a player and as a quarterback and as a leader of this offense. I think the defense looks horrible. The Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon just ran all over them. Roquan Smith was being a crybaby throughout the whole offseason about how he wanted a big extension and a big contract. Now he's fat and played horrible. Oh, it's just so hard to watch. I I don't understand. And they were in this game. They were in it. They were up 7-3. to Everything was going good. The offense just died until, like, the fourth quarter. And they, they had the chance to come back and compete. And they're right there on the one-yard line, fourth and goal from the one. You go from the shotgun, the shotgun. And not only do you go from the shotgun, you run a QB draw from the shotgun, a QB sneak. If you're going to run a QB sneak, go under center. I don't understand. It made no sense to me at all. And it's just the same old shit. It's the same old shit. The Packers are the big brother. They embarrassed us on national television, as it always happens. Aaron Rodgers is a slimy douchebag. I hate that guy. Packers fans are annoying. People from Wisconsin are annoying. The refs love the Packers. It's all annoying. I Just uh, take take it away. I, I don't know what to say. It's horrible. It's horrible, man. That was beautiful, Cooper. I think that this is going to be the first clip we post on our Instagram account. I think this is. I think this monologue was beautiful, and I agree with everything that you said. And the Packers are a very good team, and I think that this game we touched on very good from the Bears' point of view. On the Packers' side of things, I think Aaron Rodgers bounced back a little bit. I think that the running backs were obviously really good. I think the running backs were very good. I thought the Packers' defense was good. But, yeah, I think the Packers are – they looked better, but they played a team that was, quite frankly, not very good, as Cooper just described. But I think we should move on to Monday night and just refresh our minds. But, Cooper, I think you wanted to talk about the Bills versus the Titans, so I'll let you have the floor once yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. After um, Sunday night and the, the torture that my mind was put through um, – I decided to only put my focus on one football game uh, on Monday night, even though there were two, and I put most of my focus towards the Titans and Bills. I mean, no surprise here, the Bills dominated once again. Everyone's prediction is just looking to be right. The Bills look like by far and away in a tier on their own, with maybe the Chiefs a little bit behind, the best team in football by far. And Josh Allen... He's, he's really good. He's really good at football. He's, he's the talented player. Um, Stefan Diggs balled out once again, three touchdowns, 12 catches, like 130 yards or something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the defense played well, held the Titans to only seven points. Um, I think part of that has to do with Ryan Tannehill, who I've said, I said this in our season predictions, Tannehill sucks. I've never been a Ryan Tannehill fan. 
when Derrick Henry isn't out there getting like 120 rushing yards and like four touchdowns, Tannehill just gets exposed for the sorry ass quarterback he is. And that's what happened. He got benched. He got benched. Yeah. Tannehill is definitely descending the rankings of quarterbacks. And he's probably, he's probably not a top 20 quarterback anymore. I'd probably put him closer to 25 than he is to like the 16, 17, 18 mark where some people had him ranked before the season. But yeah, the Titans looked very, very bad. But how much of that is just the Bills being utterly dominant versus the Titans being bad? But I think the Titans are not very good. Derrick Henry struggles continue. He averaged less than two yards per carry. 13 carries hey, for 25 we, yards. He did get a touchdown, but called it. he was not very we good. It. Yeah, Derrick Henry, the wear and tear on his tires, you hate to see it, but the wear and tear on his tires has just finally caught up to him. and Fallen off a cliff. Yeah, not the prettiest scene. Malik Willis comes in there, doesn't really do much. We didn't really get to see much in garbage time from him, but I don't know. He looked, he looked athletic, but didn't really do much. So I don't know, not much to take away from that, but the Titans got absolutely steamrolled and there's just, they fall down a little bit, but the Bills really solidify themselves as the best team in football. And Josh Allen is leading the MVP race and Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL. But, and also on it's the defense. Close. It's close. <laughs> yeah, it, it is close. I will admit it is close, but I just think that when everyone is at their best, Josh Allen is by far the best quarterback in the NFL. And just, that's just, he's, he's the same thing as Patrick Mahomes when they're all at their best, but he's also an incredible runner, which Patrick Mahomes is not, which I just think is the, like Patrick Mahomes is a fine runner, but like he's more of a scramble guy behind the line of scrimmage while Patrick, while um, Josh Allen can be a legit threat. But yeah, anyways, on the defensive side of the ball, I thought that Jordan Poyer gets another interception. Jordan Poyer is an, an incredibly talented uh, safety, definitely a top 10 guy. And he's just really, he's coming off a great year and he seems to be um, backing it up once again this season. Uh, Von Miller, not quite as much of a factor as he was week one, but um, the pass rush as a whole was still pretty good, I thought. And especially, and the run defense was obviously great. That defensive front was just really good. I think Matt Milano was a very good player. Just overall, he's like really good in the run game. He's a great coverage linebacker. I believe he got an interception that game too. I think Matt Milano's definitely in the argument for a top 10 linebacker in the league. And that's, I just, I just think that they're a very good team, but I think it's time to move on to the Philadelphia Eagles versus the yeah, Minnesota let's, Vikings. Let's hear it, Scott. Let's hear you talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, specifically quarterback Jalen Hurts. Let's hear it. Come on. Okay. So I think that, it's my turn to monologue. Cooper got his monologue complaining about the Chicago Bears, but my monologue is going to be an apology. So I do not apologize for Jalen Hurts, for my, my preseason evaluation of Jalen Hurts. Last season, he was a very poor quarterback. But what I didn't take into effect, into account, was how incredible of a, of a worker Jalen Hurts is like going like if you just look at his career arc I should have like I did a little bit of research into this because like I knew I was gonna have to talk about this on the podcast today so I did a little I looked at Jalen Hurts in a little bit of uh, research like going back to Alabama Jalen Hurts was a fine quarterback but then Tua comes in and outshines him and like beats him out so he has to go to Oklahoma he shows significant improvements at Oklahoma than he did at, at Alabama which shows great work ethic 
And, but still at Oklahoma, he's like a mid-tier prospect. He's not going to be a, he shouldn't be taken in the first two rounds, three rounds. I probably thought of him more as like a third, fourth round guy, maybe even fifth round guy. Like I didn't think he was a great prospect. Eagles take him in the second round. Everyone thought it wasn't a great pick for the most part. He comes in, uh, proves a lot of people wrong and looks like a cert, like a solid backup quarterback. But once again, I thought like, oh, he's only, he's, Barely a backup quarterback. He's can't read a defense to save his life. He's the least accurate quarterback in football. He's just an athletic runner. Like, but then the year after that, in his second year in the NFL, he climbs up a little bit more towards like he. I can understand why he's a starting quarterback. He like improves even more to like the probably around the twenty fourth, twenty fifth best quarterback in football. He's still not super accurate. He still can't read a defense that got exposed in the playoffs against against the Buccaneers. So I do not apologize for my previous analysis of him, but I will give him his props. Jalen Hurts has looked like a completely different quarterback this season. And Jalen Hurts, you deserve to be ranked as a top 20 quarterback. I'm not ready to put you top 15 quite yet, but if Matt Ryan continue, Matt Ryan is the guy I have at 15 right now, I think. And Matt Ryan has looked like buns. So I will see, I do foresee uh, Jalen Hurts finding his way into the top 15 quarterbacks. He's looking more accurate this year. He's processing defenses better. He's st- he's still an incredible runner. I do think that Jalen Hurts is starting to put it all together. And Jalen Hurts' like, career has shown that he's an incredible worker, and he will probably continue to improve. Like Next year, who knows? Maybe we'll be looking at a top 10 quarterback, top 8 quarterback. Who knows? But for right now, Jalen Hurts is a top 15 caliber quarterback, top 12. He's a good starting quarterback. And with the roster that the Eagles have, my, my, the, Jalen Hurts was my only hiccup on this Eagles roster going into the season. The Eagles are a top 10 team, a top eight team, maybe. If we, I, I'd have to look at all the teams and like just rank them. We might do that in an episode at some point, but, um, I think that they're a top 10, top eight team and their defense is incredible. Their offense is incredible. AJ Brown is a certified stud. Um, sorry, did I say, I meant to say AJ Brown. If I, I might have said Jalen Brown. I don't know. But AJ Brown is a certified stud. He's great after the catch. He's a very polished route runner. He's got great hands. I think AJ Brown is a top seven receiver. I'd probably say he's in, him and DeAndre Hopkins are like neck and neck for like the seventh spot. If I'm doing my math right about like all of the guys, but like he's a very good receiver. I think their tight end Dallas Goddard's very good. Their offensive line is in, is very good. But then now onto the defensive side of the ball. This word, this defense can be described by this defensive performance can be described by one player, Darius Slay. Darius Slay was incredible, incredible against Justin Jefferson. He held Justin Jefferson to one catch for I think like seven yards, and just like he got like two interceptions this game too, or something like that. And just he's making a case for the best corner in football as Jalen Ramsey struggles. As Jair Alexander isn't getting used properly by the Packers because the Packers are idiots on defense, Darius Slay is at least the third best um, corner in football. And if he continues to play like this, he's making an argument for the best corner in football. He's absolutely locked down while being an incredible ball hawk as well. And I just think that I just love this. I'm going from the top Eagles hater to now an Eagles fan. I think that the Eagles... Welcome. Welcome to the bandwagon. Yep. Cooper, Cooper, I will applaud you for putting me onto them. So, congratulations, Cooper. But um, 
I think they're a top eight team. I think that I could definitely see them being a dark horse Super Bowl team right now. I, this, the way this team is playing, I think they're well coached too. Like Jalen Hurts, like he's not the most, he's still not the most explosive passer, but he's definitely getting there. And I think that this team, like with the run game they have too, is definitely a very talented team. But I'll let you talk about the Vikings because I literally talked about the Eagles for a while. Unless you want me to talk about the Vikings, and I'll talk about them too. No, but. I can I can take over. Um, okay, cool. I think that the main story of the Vikings as a team overall was primetime Kirk. Yep. Kirk Cousins yep. Um, has been historically bad in primetime games, and it started, I feel like, off as a little bit of a meme, but it, he's horrible in primetime games. He is not good. And yeah. he proved that once again. Uh, Darius Slay owned him this entire game. The Eagles defense as a whole kind of owned him. He threw three picks. Um, he was pretty inaccurate. Uh, they, the Vikings obviously weren't able to put many points on the board, only getting the one touchdown. Um, they weren't able to put consistent drives together as a whole. Uh, I mean, yeah, as a, I don't know. I just feel like overall, this Vikings offense was obviously super underwhelming. And while the Vikings defense played really well week one against the Packers, I think that this game really exposed all their weaknesses as Jalen Hurts lit them up. And I feel like especially on the ground is where they were hurt. I do think that Harrison Smith played well, though. I think Harrison Smith is a pretty good. Is definitely he had a bit of a down year last year, but week one he played well, and week two he's also he also played pretty well in my opinion. So I think that Harrison Smith is definitely going to be like he's definitely he's the veteran leader of this defense, and he yeah. definitely showed up. But he's going to be a huge um, impact player on this defense if he plays like he needs to play well and keep this team this defense afloat because. This offense was incredible week one, but when they went up against a defense like um, the Eagles and with the inconsistencies of Kirk Cousins, it's definitely going to be a little bit like, I don't want to like overreact a ton to this one week because week one, I thought they were incredibly impressive against the Packers. Like maybe it's just the week one Packers being terrible, but like Kirk Cousins looked good week one. Justin Jefferson looked like the best receiver in football week one. So like, I'm not going to overreact too much and be like, Oh, this team sucks now. They're gonna they're gonna miss the playoffs. I still think they're a top twelve, top ten team with that potential to make the playoffs for sure and maybe even make a run. But I think that it's definitely like if they were able to win this game, I would definitely like skyrocket them up the ra- up the rankings. But this game is a little bit of a pump the brakes moment on the Vikings, and I don't know. I just think we definitely need a be a little more cautious moving forward and not also, but also not let one game like severely affect the way we view a team. Right. I think that being cautious is the perfect way to put it. I do still think that the Vikings uh, can make the playoffs. Obviously I still think they have a shot at winning the division. Um, and I like that you mentioned uh, reaching out that theme of being cautious to all the teams that we've talked about today. One bad game doesn't make or break a team. Um, we're just calling out some of the trends that we've been seeing. Uh, and obviously week two was a pretty good week, I thought, um, in terms of uh, like team development and really just like the entertainment value of the games in general. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think th- this week was just incredibly entertaining and I'm so looking forward to the weeks coming up and just to be able to make more video, more podcasts about the 
and about the NFL season, just being able to talk about it with you, Cooper, has just been really fun. And I think that we're in for a really good, really fun NFL season. But I'll let you close yeah, us out sure. if we're all done with everything. Yeah, I think we're good. Um, Pack Pocket Topics is officially live uh, on YouTube and Spotify. So check us out wherever you like to uh, indulge in your podcast listening. Um, also follow the Instagram as well. Follow the Instagram as well. Too. Yes, for sure. So, yeah, for sure. Um, we appreciate all your guys' support so far on this journey. And um, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Back Pocket Topics. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you.